Good morning. I'm Eric. I am one of the pastors here. It's so good to have you with us to join in celebration this morning. I love Baptism Sunday. I love when we get to do that, to see the life change, um, to just see the joy, the tears, the excitement um, of people who have given their lives to follow after Jesus, and they're ready to go public. They're ready to live out loud, right? That's what our whole series is about right now. We're studying the book of 1 John, and my hope for you in the midst of this series is that you would learn to live and love like Jesus loudly in your life, loudly in our culture today. Wherever God takes you, that you would live and love like Jesus. That's part of our mission here at Grace. That's what we want to be about. But we want this series to help equip you to live loudly, to love loudly in culture. That you would live uh, such a different Christian life, that you would live even the normal Christian life, that people would look at you and they would say, wow, there's something different about them. What is it? What's up with you? Why are you so caring? Why are you so loving? And that you would just be able to say, it's because of God. It's because of his great love for us. So this morning, we're going to dive into 1 John uh, chapter 2. If you need a Bible, you can uh, put your hand up. One of our awesome ushers will get you one. Uh, We also, last week, we gave out these uh, letters. We gave you a letter of Uh, from John. And the idea was this, that uh, as you would take this letter uh, from John, being a close and personal friend of Jesus, that you would open this, break the seal, open it up, that you would read this letter as if it were written to you personally, because it is, and that you would learn how John, a close personal friend of Jesus, would ask you to live your life. So uh, even later this morning, uh, I will be reading from this letter. Uh, If you didn't get one of these, we have some extras. We would love for you to take one. Uh, One of the ushers would be happy to get you that, or you can get one on the way out as well. Uh, We're excited about that. We're excited about the worship challenge that's been going on, that Sharon's been doing on our new Spotify. So go follow us there if you have Spotify. If you're like, I don't understand what that is, talk to Sharon. She can help you. Come talk to me. We'll help you get on there. Uh, It's free. It's fun. Uh, But just to take those couple minutes, even even to follow uh, the YouTube link on on our Facebook page or on uh, our Instagram, and just to focus in a time of worship. Uh, I love this thought that that all throughout the day, all of us who, who were getting into God's Word were reading this letter together, whether it's at your desk at work, whether it's sitting in traffic on 270, maybe not reading the letter, but listening to the worship, we're joining each other together in the throne room of God no matter where we're at, and that's such a cool unifying thing that we get to do together. Um, So this morning, we're going to dive into 1 John chapter 2. If you would join me there, Um, before we we look at this, I want to ask a couple things and just to think about two words. Think about two words. The first is the word commands. Commands. You you know what commands are. You've dealt with them your entire life. The other word is, is a, a different, maybe less serious or less intense word for a command, but a suggestion, right? Um, a suggestion. We, we sometimes joke uh, that we're going to set up a suggestion box that's really just a trash can and say, put your suggestions in, there, in the suggestion box, right? We joke, I said, about that. We wouldn't really do that. Commands versus suggestions. What's the difference? A command is this. It's a directive given from a form of authority. It's a demand or an order that's given. 
commands. We see them all the time. Parents would say, go clean your room. Your boss says, finish this project by Friday. Your neighbor says, give me back my ladder that you borrowed last summer, right? The police, get out of the car with your hands where I can see them. I I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing here. I've certainly never heard that one myself. (laughs) A suggestion, how's that different? A suggestion is an idea given with hopes of persuasion, a hint, a leading thought. You're planting something in their mind, hoping for action. Parents, you might say a suggestion, it would be nice if you would clean your room once in a while. Right? That's different from the command, go clean your room. Your boss might say, I'd really like to have this project completed by the end of the week. Your neighbor might say, hey, have you seen that ladder floating around the neighborhood anywhere? The police, I I don't know of any suggestions that they give. I've only ever heard commands from them, so we won't go there. (laughs) On the surface, on the surface, we might enjoy suggestions more than commands. They're less heavy. They feel less confrontational. But yet, in a significant, meaningful, important moment... I hope that we know the commands are not only needed, but they're what's best. Commands are what's best. You can think of many circumstances and situations where a command is clear, it's direct. It gives instruction. A suggestion is is convoluted. It's confusing. Maybe the person receiving it doesn't really know and understand what you're asking what you're implying, what you're hoping for. There's this phrase, who's the boss, right? Maybe you know that from a TV show in the 80s, which was great, starring Tony Danza. Loved that show. Um, maybe you know it from your days as a child when, when you said, you're not the boss of me. And the person that you said that to was asserting their authority over you, saying, oh, yes, I am. As the oldest of of two younger sisters, I know that phrase full well, oftentimes, because I was the one saying, oh, yes, I am the boss of you. You will do what I say, usually when mom was at the grocery store, and I was supposed to watch after them, and my mom would give me responsibilities like commands, empty the dishwasher, and I would, in good leadership, delegate those commands to my sisters, and then Give them instruction and discipline if needed, right? Saying, I am the boss of you. Little did I know, wait until mom got home and my sisters would rat me out. That phrase, you're not the boss of me. We choose. We oftentimes think through who is the boss of us. We decide when a command is given, are we going to give this person authority over us? When a command is being received, you have to consider who the person is that's making the demand or the request and whether or not you're going to give them authority over you. Whether you will listen and be obedient to what they're asking you to do. For some of us, when we think of that person that we give authority to, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's your boss, there are times where you give them that authority and you do as they say, you're good and obedient, you serve, you do what they're asking you to do, but it's not all the time. Maybe your your spouse or your parent, your kids, your friends, somebody has asked you to do something and while most times you would do it, there are times where you think, "Mm, I know better, 
I hear you, but I'm still not going to be obedient. I'm not going to do what you ask. The other side of the same coin is that when a command is being given, it's often for good reason. It's often, not always, but it's often for good reason. Think about a a recent command that you gave to somebody. Just evaluate your heart in that moment. Why did you give the command that you gave? My guess is that it's being given from a place of pure motives or good intentions. You want what's best for them. You, you don't want them to get hurt. You're trying to protect them. When we look at the commands that God gives us in his word, we begin to wrestle with, do we want to give him authority over our lives? Do we want to do as he says? If you're like me and you've ever read through a passage of scripture and you've come across a command, There aren't many suggestions in Scripture, but when you come across the command and you wrestle with, what do I do with this? Is this an easy one to obey? Or is this a really hard one to obey? And I think we, if we're honest with ourselves like we do with many other people, we decide when to listen, when to submit. We don't give people, or even God, oftentimes complete authority over us, to step into obedience 100% of the time. For those of you who maybe grew up thinking that the Bible was full of of things that you can and can't do, you you grew up in a church maybe that was very legalistic and and always talked about the, the do's and the don'ts, cross the T's and dot the I's, be perfect. I hope today, it's my prayer, that that even if you grew up despising religion, per se, this list of rules, my hope is that God uses this message today to encourage you. Maybe you're, you're joining us and you're just new to the, the whole Bible and you're trying to learn and understand how to read God's word and how to apply it to your life and, and it's exciting. My hope for you is that God uses this message today to challenge you. So before we go any further, before we open God's word, let's just do something that's of good habit. Would we talk to God? When we study his word, it's the idea that he's talking to us. So before we read his word, it's often good if we would just talk to him and say, God, would you speak to us? So let's just do that, can we? Can we just kind of quiet our hearts and our minds and, and, and pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us today? right here, right now, in this moment. Remove the distractions from our hearts, from our minds. Lord, we know that your word is full of commands that are given to us because you're good and because you want what's best for us. Help us to know your heart today. Help us to hear your voice and to connect with you in such a way that changes everything. As we dive into your word this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak with great authority. Lord, would you speak with greater authority than ever before to us? And in order to do that, Lord, help us in this moment to know that you are for us, that you love us. And would you enable our hearts to trust you as Lord of our lives? Equip us to love well because of what is discussed here today. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. 
All right, if you have your letter here, go ahead and take that out. Um, if you don't, that's okay. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 7, and I'm just going to read this completely straight through um, to verse 27. And as I do, as I read this, I, I want to encourage you to think through, to listen with the, the commands and suggestions conversation in mind. Let's filter this through the lens of looking for the commands. What are the things that, that, that John, through Christ, and what the things that he learned were that he gives us as commands? Can we do that? All right, so if you're in, in like version Bible app, this is the New Living Translation. Um, if anybody was curious what uh, translation this is, it's the New Living Translation. Let's read this. Um, here it goes. It says in verse 7, Dear friends, I am not writing a new command for you. Rather, it is an old one that you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won the battle with the evil one. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything the people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever." Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his spirit and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. 
But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So good to just read God's word, to, to look at what it says and the commands that are there. There's, there's a, a picture, there's a connection here as we look at this between the commands and promises. We see the command to love one another. It says anyone who loves a fellow believer, right? There's a command in that. Anyone who hates their brother, there's an implied command or a demand that's given there. And then there's a promise, both positive positive. And negative, if you do this, then you will have eternal life. It says you will walk in the light and not in the darkness. If you hate somebody, it talks about still being in the darkness and not knowing the way to go, being blinded. There's an implied connection here between commands and promises. (laughs) Bethany and I, we have a a two-and-a-half-year-old, and so commands and promises are all too prevalent in our lives right now. Cohen is, uh, as you can see in this picture, he, he loves life to the fullest. Um, this picture is uh, a, a promise fulfilled. Uh, I told him that if he was a good listener and that he had a good week of, of being obedient and, and following instructions, we're trying our best with him, that I would take him on Friday morning uh, for our mandate at Dunkin' Donuts. So uh, he got an extra special treat because he wanted chocolate on top of his donut. You can see in the next picture, he uh, devoured it and then was licking his fingers and just enjoying life, right? Commands and promises, there's a connection there. Just this morning, here are a few of the commands that were mentioned in our house to Cohen. Put that down. Stop hitting the dog. Pick that up. Don't bite your mom. Leave that alone. Put that away. Come here. Get your finger out of your nose. Don't touch that. Bring that here. Sit down. Don't eat that. Go pee in the potty, please. Listen to me. Look at me. Eat your breakfast. <laughs> that was just a few. <laughs> if you're around kids, you, you know that commands can, can feel so Difficult. You, you feel awful in how you say them. Sometimes they're just like that. Please stop biting the dog. Please, right? you, you have a tone. And then there are other times where your tone increases and the demand is given with a higher sense of authority. Where you yell and it's not pretty. And the person who is listening to these commands shrieks and hide. Maybe they throw temper tantrums and throw themselves on the floor. When a command is paired with a a promise, it changes. It, it, It shows the heart. It reveals the nature of the one giving the command. As parents, we know this, we understand. If you're not a parent and you've just been around kids, hopefully you can you can see that to be true. We're trying desperately to to raise our kids to give them good commands in low leverage situations so that in high stakes moments they will obey, they will listen. Don't touch that, right? I tell him that all the time. Don't touch the TV. Yes, because daddy just doesn't want fingerprints on it, but also because that's a low leverage situation, 
right? So that then later when he's getting ready to put his hand in the blender or touch the stove, I can say, don't touch that. And that he would listen, that he would be prepared when, when I'm walking through the church parking lot where it's safe and I know that no maniacs go here and are driving 80 miles an hour through the parking lot, right? I can hold his hand. I can walk with him and help him to navigate. But when we're going to cross a busy street downtown, I want him to know to hold my hand. Church, isn't it true that, that God's heart is fatherly towards us? He does the very same with us. He wants us to learn obedience in low-leverage situations so that when the stakes are high, we would identify his voice. We would hear him. We would know what he's asking us to do that we might be obedient. The commands that we're giving Cohen, it's because we know what's best for him. He's a smart young man, but he's not that smart. We still have to give him reminders. Same is true with us in our relationship with God. He knows what's best for us. Did you know that the commandment, honor your father and mother, is the only one that comes with a promise? That you would live long in the land, that it may go well with you? Yes, that sounds like a threat, right? Like when your mom says, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. I heard that a lot as a child. <laughs> and yet it's, it's so true. Like if we, if we identify God's voice and we listen, we're obedient to him and what he's asking us to do, why would we live long? Wouldn't be reckless. Let, let's look at some other commands and promise combinations that Jesus has given us directly. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Same author, different book, We've been studying 1 John. This is John chapter 13. In verse 34 and 35, Jesus himself says, a new commandment I give you. This is what in 1 John chapter 2, what we just read, John is is hearkening back to that command that you've heard from the beginning. It's not new, but it's old. It's this, a new command. Jesus says, I give you that you love one another. There's the command. Just as I have loved you, he even models it. Even sets up, this is how you ought to love. You love just as I have loved you. You are to also love one another. What kind of love does Jesus have for us? Huge. Think about it. He gave up being in heaven, a perfect place to come to earth to pay the price that you and I deserved, to die for our sins. Wow, is that not great love? The promise, look at the promise, verse 35. Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. What a beautiful promise. That we would get to be partners with Christ in how we love out loud in this world. In chapter 14, we see more commands and promises. Look at John 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Maybe you're, you're thinking, that's a, a, that's a harder thing to hear. Jesus, that's not a suggestion. That's pretty bold. That's pretty direct. If you love me, you're, really? You're going to leverage my love for you? 
Yeah, because his heart is not one of the angry, shaking his fist at you, Father. His heart is that he loves you. Remember what we just read in John 13. He laid down his life for you. He loves you unconditionally, whether you realize it, whether you understand it or not. And he says, look, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. I think the, the alternate is true that when we sin, when we don't obey his commands, we grieve the heart of God. The promise, he says in verse 15, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I love this promise because it's implied that I can't be obedient to the commands all on my own. Even though, yes, I love him and I want desperately to obey his commands, we can't. He knows that. And so he gives us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to live inside of us, to help us, to assist us in overcoming our fleshly sinful desires, to help us make right choices, to help us in our obedience. I want us to think about the Great Commission. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We'll look at this one, Matthew 28. You, you probably know this. It's, it's Baptism Sunday. We, I think Aaron already quoted it. We reference it when we baptize people. The Great Commission is Jesus is leaving the earth in verse uh, 19, he says this command, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them, here's another command, teaching them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. Look at the promise that he leaves. He says, behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the earth, to the very end of the age what a beautiful promise that we get to join Christ in being on mission for him. That we would have this impact in the people's lives around us. This whole idea of love one another, that command. While it sounds so daunting, while it sounds so difficult, it would be so easy to just say, okay, I'm going to love them and them and them and you, but not you and not you. Not, no, not those people. And it doesn't say that. It doesn't say you get to pick and choose who you love, but that we would love one another, that we would love our brother as ourselves. Isn't it true that maybe, just maybe, the, the thought of honor your father and your mother is, is a gateway obedience. It's a low-leverage situation that then you might be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And then if you can do that, then you might even be able to love your enemy or to pray for those who persecute you. Or even to go the next step and forgive someone who's harmed you, who's betrayed you, who's hurt you. See, I think this points to the heart of the Father. I had two thoughts this week as I was preparing for this, and I thought, who, the who matters the person who's, who's giving the command, it matters. As we talked about earlier, it matters greatly. Why? Why does the who matter? Not the band. Don't get lost in that, right? Why does the who matter? Think about this. I'll tell you why the who matters. If Jesus is the one giving you the commands, he's all-knowing. 
He's all-powerful. He knows your every need. He knows the decisions that you're facing. He knows everything. And yet, he has every power, every ability to help you in that, to fix it for you, to, to be there with you through it. Why wouldn't we not want to listen to him, to be obedient to him? He truly knows what's best. And yet for many of us, we can act like two and a half year olds and throw ourselves on the floor. God, I don't want to do that. Please don't make me do that. Why the why matters. <laughs> Think about this. Why the, why the why matters. Consider Jesus. He is the best person to give you commands. Little kids, they're great at asking the question, why? 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 Because I said. Because I'm your dad. Why? I don't know. God just gave you to me. Why? The why matters. Here's why. Consider Jesus. Seriously, think about who he is and knowing that he wants the best for you, better than anybody else, especially better than you know yourself, better than what you want for yourself. The who matters, the why matters. But you might need to wrestle with the question, what does the who and why matter to you? I would even ask, do they? Does the why and the who matter to you? Are you willing to make Jesus the Lord of your life? You can't say you're Lord and then say no, Lord. It doesn't work. It's opposite of what the, the name, the title Lord even means. Lord is inferred, yes, my Lord. Yes, I will obey. Yes, I will step in. Look, there are tons of other commands that we can see in scripture. In 1 John alone, we can see commands like, do not love the world, abide in him. Let what you've heard abide in you. Let no one deceive you. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. We could go on and on and on. There are tons. And yet, in, in other contexts of scripture, we see, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. The promise there, the judge not, or you will be judged. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. There's tons. What about this one? Repent and be baptized. Does the way that, that you and I are living reflect an obedient lifestyle? Does it? And, and if it does, how is it clear to other people in your life that you're living an obedient life? See, you can tell that with kids. It's really easy. When you're at the grocery store, they're like happy, they're content, they're sitting there, they're not asking for things that they don't need, they're not throwing themselves on the ground, kicking and screaming, right? It doesn't look like that necessarily with us as adults, but sometimes it does. Sometimes you can just tell the people who are living selfishly for themselves. We know it to be true. Does your life reflect this obedience to the commands of Christ because you know and understand of his love for you? That he wants what's best for you. I'm gonna invite the praise team to come on back up. We're gonna sing one last song. The song's called I Surrender. 
And maybe, just maybe, some of you are here this morning and you're, you're wrestling with this. You're, you're processing, you're hearing God speaking to you and, and you're not sure what true obedience looks like. You're kind of stuck. Like, do I really have this saving relationship with the Lord Jesus? Maybe you know for a fact that you do, but you haven't really been living a life that's marked with obedience. You know, sometimes when, when Cohen has been extremely disobedient and he's not listening to me, I'll pick him up and I'll tell him this. I'll say, buddy, look at me. I, I want him to like, look at me. And I won't even, I won't start talking until I've locked eyes with him. And I'll say, buddy, I, I need you to look at me. And I'll explain to him, I, I want you to, to be a good listener because, and I'll explain to him, because I, I don't want our dog to die because you keep biting her. I'll tell him, like, I, I want you to be a good listener because it, it honors your mom. It makes her feel good when you, when you give her a hug, when she asks for one. Do you maybe, just maybe, this morning need to be picked up by your heavenly father and hear his voice say, look at me, look at me. I love you. I want what's best for you. Would you be obedient because, and I don't know what he might be saying to you, but this week it's my hope and my prayer that today, beginning now, that you would make a commitment, that you would say, I want to know the commands that God gives us better that I might be obedient to what he asks in low leverage situations and in high. And maybe, just maybe, there's somebody here today that you're saying, you know what, there's water here and I've never been baptized. Well, I'm gonna just say, if, if the invitation is there, I'm willing to get in the tank with you. I brought a change of clothes. Maybe you didn't. But that's okay. Are you willing to be obedient to whatever God asks you to do? To say in front of everybody, I don't care. I'm, I'm in. Yes, Lord. I will do what you ask. I need Jesus. Come forward. We've got people on elders, leaders, the sides of the rooms, the front of the room. Come talk to us. Tell us. Just say, this is why I want to get baptized today. Here's what God's doing in my life. I'm, I'm going to be obedient to what he asked me to do. As the team plays, come forward if God's nudging on your heart. We'll baptize you. You can go home wet. We'll give you a towel. That's okay because you're being obedient to what God wants you to do.